0: Welcome, everyone, to the 309th episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. We are powered by 8bit.net and those sexist, sexy legends over at Audio Technica. Go upgrade your audio game today over at AudioTechnica.com. I am your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8bits. And joining me today, as is tradition, my podcast, Ride or Die, the Quaxley to my Fuecoco. You can find her on them socials at Miss Ellie Hart. Miss Ellie Hart. How the bloody hell are ya? I'm
1: doing good. You call me like mid like burp internalizing a burp. I'm like, oh, oh, how are you? How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm um I'm equal parts like tired and energized because uh I've I've started my new job this week. It's it's a good time, good feeling, good vibes, but just adjusting the body clock and the sleep routines back to normality has not been easy. Like I'm used, like the last few weeks I've gotten used to just doing whatever and uh, you know waking up whenever the body allows me to wake up. But instead, I'm I'm regimented now and I've got to be awake and up and about at seven and out the door to drive to the office for all the onboarding and stuff. So it's uh it's been a shock to the system, but I've actually kind of enjoyed having a little bit of a structured routine this week.
1: This, I love structure. Structure is what keeps me uh, motivated <laughs> usually. Um, and welcome to the morning time as well. Welcome back to uh little sunrise, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's uh, if, it's, if it's nice to be here. It's uh, it's a bit of a shock to the system, <laughs> walking outside and getting in the car and my retina's nearly catching on fire from the sunlight in between the erratic bouts of rain here in Melbourne. But uh, yeah, it's good. It's, it's, it's a good vibe at the moment. The energy... As is a, is at a high, uh, we're we're sort of on the race now to the Christmas break uh, in, yeah. in all aspects with with work and a bit and THG and everything else in between. So uh, you've only got a, a handful of episodes left, listeners, before we uh, we take a little holiday break.
1: Yeah, I can't believe it. Like I know it's so cliche to be like, oh, I can't believe it's the end of the year, but like like it's it's the last few months. It's just like there's quite well. There's quite a few things that kind of happen within the last few months of the year. So I think by having those like pinpointed like sections of the year, you anticipate them and you're like, okay, now that's done. Okay. Well, especially here, it's like, okay, so Thanksgiving's coming. Okay. So then, okay, now Thanksgiving is over. So then, oh, now it's Christmas. And then, like, oh, Christmas is over. And now it's the end of the year. Like, oh, it's just so intense.
0: It's a lot to think about. And then the, the stresses that come from the holiday period, not only for the oh, yeah. the shopping and the gift giving and all that, but also trying to juggle time to see friends and family and get together for the, the big gatherings and stuff. It is a lot. So uh, anyone that is feeling that strain already, just, just take a minute, breathe, just chip away a little bit at a time because it yeah. can be very daunting. And um, don't beat yourself up if you don't get everything done or, or get all the gifts you were hoping to either give or receive
1: exactly yeah
0: but um let's let's jump in where we always do here with uh with THC we'll talk about what we've been up to and um I appreciate that we've both been on a similar journey albeit yeah. one a scarlet tinted version and one a violet tinted version I'm on pokemon scarlet Ali is on pokemon violet so we've jumped into yeah. game freaks Latest big old hit on the Nintendo Switch, and um, let me start with which starter did you actually go with? I, I went with Fuecoco, the uh, the fire crocodilian. Did you go the same?
1: Same, same. I love my little chunky goofball.
0: He's great. Did did you name he or she as well?
1: Uh, yeah, Picante.
0: Picante. I called mine Frankie. So I've got Frankie Fuecoco um, doing doing his thing, and um, he's he's just the best. He's so damn cute.
1: He is absolutely adorable and I am all but determined not to evolve him, so Yeah.
0: The um <laughs> I, I sort of spoilers for myself, I, I looked at uh the, the final evolutions for the three starters just to sort of see which way I wanted to go and I nearly went Quaxley because Quacksly. uh yeah, that he's a final bit of a boss. one <laughs>
1: The final one was like it almost had me like seeing the like the like cha 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 like kind of dance moves that you see it do and how it runs, how it follows the trainer. I'm like, oh, that almost is something to make me change change my mind at yeah. the end. But
0: I need I need yeah. to find a, a Quaxley in the wild and, and catch he or she so, so they mm-hmm. can join my party and I can get that awesome sort of like water dancing fighting type that it has in its final evo so a uh, little
1: couple yeah. yeah
0: it's so good but um let's let's talk about this game as a whole here will be as spoiler free as possible listeners so anyone that hasn't played pokemon scarlet or violet yet uh you know fear not we aren't going to spoil the story for y'all but uh what's your <laughs> thoughts on pokemon scarlet and violet so far
1: i think about the story <laughs> um If there is one, I don't care. Um, This, like, it has been such a slow slog, like, at the start. Like, it just drags on and on. And I'm almost, like, mad at myself that I reached a particular point where there's just a lot of, like, story and developing about the the world and your ambitions and all this sort of stuff. And it just took forever. It was really, really slow and obviously you know the game is slow in other ways mm-hmm. um but it just like i got so bored of it that i was watching tv and just hitting a a a or b or b or whatever you know makes the dialogue go faster so i don't know if i agreed to something that that like amongst the the dialogue but i just didn't care i just wanted to go out there and start catching pokemon and seeing the pokemon world but um yeah, like it, I it's been disappointing. It's been a disappointing experience overall, got, like from the dialogue and all that stuff being slow to actually maneuvering even when you uh receive the ability to move a little bit faster. Um even that's slow for me. Um I just there's, there's a lot of menu things that kind of like processing time takes forever and then there's just like other little things where i'm noticing i'm like i see the cost the cost cutting here like it's just so plain as day and Mm -hmm. if it like i don't know like it's made me really wonder about this game and its release because i know i know it was like a no dar thing like a lot of people were already talking about it on social media saying like how much of a Shit show this game was, but I still decided to you know get and play it anyway. And I'm like, oh wow, this is like it's not even half the stuff that people are showing online. Like there's all these other little things that you just take for granted to work or be functional, and it's just not there. Like even just things loading, or like you're in a boss, uh, not boss fight, but you're in a Pokemon battle, and then the camera angles in a certain way, and all of a sudden you can see all the you know behind the (laughs) behind the uh, curtain kind of work underneath the underneath the earth and mm-hmm. all the pixels and all that sort of stuff so it's it's wild it's been a very interesting experience in the Pokemon world
0: yeah it feels like um, feels like Game Freak lost track of the calendar and like night before the assignment was due went holy shit we need to cram all night to get this game finished to a workable standard so we can get a pass and not fail yeah. this class and um. Yeah, like I'm, I'm completely in lockstep with you. The game, the game, the 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 world and the area of which you traverse is big and large, but it is mostly hollow and empty. Uh, there's a lot of the same assets getting recycled over and over. Oh yeah. Uh, the the detail in a lot of these assets is nothing to write home about, to say the least. Uh, anyone that's probably been on the internet the last week or so has probably seen a whole host of um, JPEGs and things making fun of. The, the lack of detail in environments or, you know, the ground or the wall or the grass or whatever, you know, it's, it's you know, throw a dart and you'll hit something that is uh, very under-rendered, it feels like, so... The world itself, uh, when you look at it from a broad lens, it looks kind of pretty and it's kind of open and lush and, and, you know, Pokemon-esque. But when you start sort of drilling down onto those finer details, you certainly, yeah, like you said, you see behind that curtain and go, oh, boy, um, yeah. this is uh, this is a bit of a mess here, Game Freak. I don't know what's going on. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you too. Like, the, the game, it takes a while to get going. And I, I do appreciate that early on in the game and once you've sort of finished the... The tutorial at the school, you can pretty much go anywhere you want. You can go right to the end game and, and try and fight certain characters or catch Pokemon that are severely over-leveled compared to where you are. So I kind of like that there's no hand-holding here. You've got sort of three primary... Um, sort of plot lines that you can follow. You've got the, you know, you're stand a Pokemon gym challenge. Uh, you've got uh, one where you're trying to catch uh, five Titan Pokemon.
1: Titans, yeah. And then
0: you've got one about um, a bunch of, you know, student delinquent troublemaking bastards that you've got to deal with as well. <laughs> so you've got sort of three options as far as which way you want to skin this this uh, Pokemon-shaped cat, which I appreciate. Um, I've not finished the game yet, don't get me wrong. I've, I've chucked, chucked a good amount of hours in this week in between work and, and experienced a lot of what this, this game has to give, but yeah, there's, there's just not a lot of depth to the game. Like the, the interactions with the NPCs, like it's very devoid of depth in, in the conversations There there's no, there's nothing below the surface value of like you meet a random uh, Pokemon trainer in the wild and you want to battle them. It's like all their lines issues, like, I like Pokemon or something like that. There's, there's no substance. Yeah. And then you fight them. You, you take your 300 or so, uh, dollars off the win every time. And then, uh, you just keep on keeping on. Then you find another one. It's, I also like Pokemon. Well, I'm going to fight you too, Mr. Or Mrs. And, uh, take your cash. So it's a lot of rinse and repeat. Some of the some of the new Pokemon varieties are very interesting, but also some of them feel like the game a little bit uh, half baked. They could have used a little bit more time to add a little detail to said Pokemon. But um, yeah, the the experience to me so far, like like it's um, it's a f- I'm fine I guess is the the nice metric we use here for uh, when we play or, or consume content. Like I'm not regretting my time but like, I just don't give a rat's ass about the broader world. Like you were saying, you were sort of just skipping through dialogue and interactions. I'm doing the same and I've got like anime going, I'm paying more attention to the anime on the telly than I am um, running around uh, this world at the moment. So uh, it's, it's, it's a bit of a shame and, and I'm not talking down on Scarlet or Violet, like, yeah, I don't regret the purchase. I like Paldea, this 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 world where we're exploring. It's it's lush and it's it's gorgeous until you zoom in or look at finer detail. But uh, yeah, it's 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 fine for me so far. Bugs and all, I,
1: I I I'm not on fine. I actually had like I had a dialogue with my husband just a moment ago, like talking about how we're spending the afternoon, and he has the options of playing Call of Duty or. Um, Ragnarok. Like he's talking about which one he wants to play, and he's like, "What do you want to play?" And he goes, "You're gonna play more Pokemon." I'm like, "No, it feels like a chore. Like right wow. now, it feels yeah, right now, it feels like a chore. Like that's how like winded like this whole experience is." And like talking about the dialogue, and I'm tr- been trying to remember what it was that the damn character said. I did, and it, I know it's a term that the youth say um it's like you just you just beat the star gang because they were bullying someone mm-hmm. and then your little friend who's been showing you around kind the of motor? tells the teacher yeah tells the teacher that you you like you fronted on them or something like that it's it's a very <laughs> it's a very new term but like i'm just like what did she just say and yeah. then there's another one where the professor calls the kids ragamuffins and I'm like, excuse me? Like like it's it's that's not as offensive, but like like ragamuffins is still a pretty interesting choice of words and dialogue, so yeah, I just uh oh. It's just a grind, and like all I wanted to do was just run around and collect all these new Pokemon and give them, you know, their names and build them up so I can have a ridiculous army of the following me and you know beating all these people who think that they're great and I'm just kicking their ass with the these puny little creatures. But it's just it's oh. like and the 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 new traversal um, with this like Pokemon, mm-hmm. there's like a jump ability but i can never like figure out like how big of a jump it is and like sometimes it feels like it's a long jump so then i try to do a long jump and then i don't make it for whatever reason because it now feels like it's a shorter jump like it's so it's just like there's there's such levels of frustration there and i was originally hoping with the purchase that i'm like okay i get it some things don't work in this game but when they they are kind of hindering the experience or making the experience drag on, then it I guess it is a problem. And um, there's like even like got the shops, like you enter this space where all the there's the all these shops, but then a lot of them are repeats of the same shop within the mm-hmm. same space. And then from what I remember in previous games was that mostly every shop that you walked into was a physical space that you could walk around and interact with people like it was actually a shop you can walk in now it's just a menu that comes up i accidentally ate something thinking that i was purchasing it um
0: (laughs) that's the story of my life right there
1: yeah i know right um so yeah there's just like a lot of cut corners and just a lot of things there where i'm just like what happened like why was this why was this choice made um so i i understand at first i was kind of laughing with everyone seeing all the glitches and all the weird things that were happening in people's games but once you kind of get in there and it's just really really ruining the overall experience then it's like i I hope that a lot of people were able to kind of return the game because technically it's i mean come on like you should be able to because it's a broken experience
0: yeah like it's um it's it's scored 74 on metacritic i think that's too high
1: that's way too high i
0: i mean i'd be in the sick like if you know just shooting from the hip here. i'd be in the 60s as far as uh where i'd put my score for a scarlet or violet because um yeah 74 that's that's a pretty high score in my opinion like if a game gets in the 70s it, it's it's you know well worth your time and, and and a pretty great experience and this game's been an okay experience to me yeah, it was interesting. Like you were talking about the, the legendaries. Like you, you stump, You pretty much just fall into a legendary situation right off the bat with either Coriadin or Maraiden, the uh, the reptilian motorbike traversal legendary Pokemon, which is just a whole nother thing we could we could talk about how ridiculous it is. But um, you get that right off the jump, and the way you get it is just so stupid. Man- you, you fight this one guy. And he's like, well. Fuck this, then I don't want to deal with this. Here, here's the Pokemon ball for that legendary Pokemon. I'm out of here, and he runs away. The uh, the, the son oh. of the of the Pokemon, um, of the professor of your respective game.
1: I was going to ask if that was still the same because same we've for got you? different. Pro- we've got different professors.
0: Mm. Yeah, I've got um, Professor Suda, the uh, the female professor who I am yeah. very smitten on.
1: I've got Davy Havoc.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've got our respective Pokemon Professor crushes here, which is which is a nice, uh, nice value add to the game itself. But um, yeah, so it was the same. You you battled the professor's son.
1: Oh, I, I thought you were talking about when you first find it.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, just down on the beach.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, minor spoilers, but you, you meet the legendary Pokemon right off the get go. It's getting accosted by a bunch of Houndooms and Houndurs. Yeah. And then you'd you follow this Pokemon through the most low poly cave you've ever did see.
1: It's, yeah. <laughs> just it's so
0: bad. Oh yeah. Just I, I love that hey, But you can't, like...
1: you can't go further than it, so if it's it's like traversing it very slowly. And so you're sitting there and then if you get, like, anywhere close to being in front of it, you stop or you slow down. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, just let me run through.
0: And I love that Game Freak were building that cave out. They're like, man, it's probably too dark in here, hey? Yeah, just chuck some, like, neon grass... Texture in there and just throw it on a wall or on the floor. That'll be right. So every once in a while, you just got like this Microsoft paint splatter of neon green grass in there just to, exactly. to brighten up the area. Like it is, that sets the tone oh. early for the game as far it as really the finer did. details. But uh, yeah, you, you get this this legendary Pokemon that just becomes nothing more than a taxi for you, which is kind of uh, a little upsetting, but uh, it is what it is. But yeah, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, 74 and Metacritic. Do not agree with that. I no. do agree that I'm still very thankful we've finally got open world Pokemon games after decades. Like Ar- Arceus was still fantastic compared to this.
1: What about Sword and Shield? That Sword and Shield
0: kind of- was really good too. Really good too. I think Sword and Shield's probably still near the benchmark.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm comparing this to.
0: Yeah, this is like um, butter knife and dinner plate <laughs> instead of Sword Spork. and Shield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> spork and napkin but uh yeah this uh this game it's certainly like even that was announced and they probably will work on this for many years it feels like they could use easy another six months to try and tidy this puppy up before they they let it go out to out to the world out to the world but um it is Mm. what it is uh we've got another pokemon game out 74 on meta Mm, yeah no no way no way no how for me uh like ign rated it six out of ten I'm, I'm more on, on that sort of uh, footing with I think IGN. That's now. very,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, Pokemon Violet and Scarlet has been uh, a very uneven experience, one might say, and a very uh, underwhelmed to whelmed experience, depending on where you are or what your stance is. Mm. I see some uh, Pokemon superfans on the, on the Twitters absolutely adoring their time with this, and I'm very happy for them. But at least from a personal perspective, it's just been... Yeah, it's fine. It's it's a pass. I'm not hating it. But I'm also not going to preach about how great it is from the rooftops.
1: No. Yeah,
0: Something... I can't talk much about it because uh, I'm under NDA at the moment. But I've started to crack into Callisto Protocol this week as Holy well. Holy
1: moly. And
0: I'm just fist bumping right now. For anyone just on the audio, I am like... Fist bumping like no one's business because this game is great. That's all I'm going to say. You'll get a a deeper dive on that in the coming uh, week or two. But uh, yeah, get excited for what Glenn Schofield and his team has done there with Callisto Protocol. Because uh, yeah, it is a stark comparison to our Pokemon Scarlet and
1: Violet.
0: (laughs) So that's great. And I just wanted to quickly also shout out the the season finale of Andor. Played out this week on Disney+. And uh, take a bow to everyone involved in the production of that show because, my goodness gracious me, I love it and it is very, very, very special and some of the best Star Wars you ever will see. So I'm, I'm going to
1: give that. it another try. I will eventually go back and try it again. Um, but, yeah, because it has been getting, like, great reviews. Like, So I'm like, okay. Uh, like uh, Because of the... Um, it seems like anyone that had my opinion, we all, we all like dropped off and never went back and it seems like everyone that kind of hung out and stayed to it um, they've just been raving and raving and raving about it so I'm like all right like I will give it another go based on these incredible reviews it's been getting Mm -hmm. maybe there's something I missed my impatience has always been the uh, worst part of me when it comes to taking on a new series so I'll possibly give it another try and see what the hype is about.
0: Yeah, I think you'll be very well rewarded. I'm like I'm I'm with you. Like those those first two episodes, I it took me a while to feel it and settle into this world. The first two episodes yeah. I was like, hmm, and I actually had to rewatch episode two uh, when those first three episodes dropped because I wasn't paying full enough attention, didn't really understand what was going on. But since I yeah went back and rewatched that and then sort of just rode this wave. Uh, I have loved every minute of it. It is, um, yeah, some very, very special storytelling and, uh, yeah, well worth watching as far as our new content this year. It's, uh, it's the, the peak of star Wars greatness. So, uh, yeah, it is so good and I can't wait for more of it, uh, down the line, but yeah. I see you've also watched something on, uh, Netflix, which I'm a fan of, and, uh, I'm happy to hear that you've, uh, yeah, consumed a good chunk of this this week.
1: Yeah, so the person that says that they never have enough time to try all these shows that you ev- everyone recommends to me, I went out and decided to watch an anime on my own, <laughs> own record. So, um, randomly stumbled upon like some kind of like video on my Instagram or social media, um, of, of this anime that looked really like grotesque and crazy. And I'm like, all right, you've got me. Well, let's see what this is about. And when I looked searched into it and I saw um, a lot of graphics from the manga I looked at it, I'm like oh this looks really messed up I have to look into it now so I started watching the anime Dorohedoro Doro and I'm six episodes in this I just only discovered this like the other day so I'm six episodes already in only 12 episodes so I'm going to be very disappointed when I finish this um, but oh I am so on board this is my kind of anime it is great it is so good like it's messed up Um, but it also doesn't take itself too seriously. And um, it's just the design, the art design throughout the episodes and all the character designs and the characters that have been developed. I just, I love it all. There's yet to be a character that I hate, which is usually something that I always find myself. Mm -hmm. I'm like, everything's good, but I can't stand this character. No, I, so far I love every character, good, bad. The the concept is unique-ish overall. Like, it's based in this place, which uh, humans who get tested on by sorcerers. Um, it's called the Hole. Mm-hmm. So um, there's all these like people that have like magic abilities called sorcerers, and they go and take people, these humans, from the Hole and like experiment on them, and like like transform them or mutate them or you know just do all these like weird experiment experiments on them. And um, the character that you follow. His name is Cayman. So it was Cayman, yeah. Um he has had he's had his head turn into a reptile, like a like a reptile face. Um and he has like a being inside his throat and he's trying to find the person who stole his head and find out details about his past. Um but the person inside his throat, <laughs> inside his head is the one that knows who did it. So every time he tries to confront these sorcerers, he bites their head and, like, th- the dialogue that happens within that space is just hilarious in itself. But um, it's just, like, his companion or friend, um, Nakaido. Love her. She's, a, love her. Yeah, she's adorable. She I, Like, I love her. She's such a great, like, friend. But then there's all these other characters that kind of come into it. So there's the big bad and he has these, like, henchmen or cleaners who go out there and do his dirty work and I, the... Like, the contrast between the whole, where all these humans who get, like, tested or experimented or, you know, have the magic performed on them. Like, I love the design of this horrible, destitute, decaying space. Like, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of, a, like, a cyberpunky feel from, like – I don't know why I made that connection, but I, I kind of get that feeling there. Like, it's just run down, it's dirty, it's disgusting – and then the contrast to where the sorcerers live and how mystical and magical and bright and colorful it is, um, it's it's a great anime. It's grotesque, like I said. Um, the sorcerers wear these masks, and the masks designs are just great. Like a lot of them <laughs> remind me of Hellraiser, especially with that kind of gaping mouth. I always forget it. Chatterer. Is that yeah, what? Yeah, Chatterer. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think if you're looking, if you aren't looking for anything too cutesy-bootsy and you're looking for something a little bit more grungy, a little hardcore, um, I definitely think you should check out Dorohedoro because it's fun, it's got action, it's, you know, a little messed up, but it's it's been great so far. It's just consistently good episode to episode, though.
0: So. Yeah, I think you're going to really enjoy the... The, the whole arc that, that uh, those 12 episodes and there's a heap of um, OVAs as well that you can check to sort of oh. continue some of the story off the back of that with certain characters and put them into certain situations. Uh, but it's super fun and I like like what you were saying, that it sort of straddles the line of, of fun, action. There's some comedic elements in there. There's some gore and violence. So when it can sort of chuck all that into a blender and, and sort of, not forget what the, the end goal is. It's it's yeah. it's really well done. Like they, they juggle all these tones and themes really well. And yeah, I remember when I watched it maybe a year or so ago. Yeah, just I was just randomly surfing Netflix and I saw that little anime tile come up for for um Dorohidoro and I'm like, what the hell is this? This looks absolutely absurd. And I chucked it on and I, I binged it all over like the span of a day or two. Because it just hooked me. Like it's it's a really really well put together anime. The story's great. The characters are fleshed out. Like you were saying, Nikaido, she's a she's a little cutie patootie. She she runs her own she little is. little cafe or restaurant, um, the Hungry Bug, which uh, yeah. um, I love. And just some of the other characters the they introduce. Yeah. Oh my god, it, it makes me so hungry um, watching that show sometimes, and then also mm-hmm. repulsed. But uh, it's awesome. And those three sort of primary hub worlds that the. The anime and the manga uh, live live and breathe in and around is, is really cool. And I like that they're all very distinctive. So uh, I'm happy that you're watching it and I'm happy that you're enjoying it because it is, uh, it's super fun and just very, very unique in all the yeah. right ways.
1: Yeah, I think you actually, you're right. Like there's a lot of times where anime, like they try to do this thing where they try to make it a little bit funny, a little bit serious, a little bit action, a little bit this. But every time it happens, they can't seem to mesh it really well. And so when these like moments happen it feels forced like it feels like not organic to the story or where the story is going or the setting or something like that so I think that's what I enjoy about this anime is that everything just meshes really well and nothing feels forced and um I I think that that's that. That's the line that I like to enjoy. Is that like we? Yeah, you see someone just get their head chopped off, and then there's like a little bit of comedy that just just works, and it's just. And then it's just they go over it. They don't sit on it. They don't, you know, deep dive into it. They just keep on going with the story and everything. So, mm-hmm. and I just I love that the sorcerers like like have their. I always love everyone having their own tropes, their own like little little design Mannerisms. to themselves. Yeah, exactly, and I I love that sort of thing. So um. I, that's always something to like hang on to when it comes to anime as well. So yeah. Yeah.
0: It's very accessible this show for for anyone oh, that's like no, But
1: unless you don't like um, like gore.
0: Yeah. If you don't then maybe don't watch this. You might wanna skip this one. It's fine. It's fine. Who doesn't like seeing heads getting bitten? But uh it's on Netflix, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's on Netflix. It's
0: subbed and dubbed too, so depending on your preference, you can uh, you can listen or sub. read. You're sub gal. subgal. No, I, I dubbed this one because uh, that's just how I roll. Because I'm not a true weave, apparently. But anyway, <laughs> let's just uh, jump into some housekeeping. Obviously, the the biddies and the Festivus nominations are still officially open. So uh, check out. We've dropped a, a tweet over at We Are Eight Bit on the Twitters with links to both of those. Otherwise, you can go to videogamesandculture.com forward slash awards to get your votes in. Those voting lines are open for another week or two, depending on the category there. And, uh, you know, putting those nominations and votes in, get you in the draw to win a heap of swag from us, Audio Technica, Spreadshirt, and a few other fantastic little sponsors. So, uh, yeah, chuck your votes in. It'll take you a couple of minutes to write your thoughts and, uh, you could win yourself a nice swag pack of goodies there from us and all those fantastic other vendors I just mentioned there. So if you want to support us monetarily, you can do so over at ko-fi.com forward slash 8 bit or go to our official merch store at shop8bit.net. But Miss Hart, I think it's time to jump into this. This week's news headlines. All right. And the first little quick hitter, just sort of jumping indirectly off the back of our Pokemon talk earlier... So uh, even though we don't rate it very highly, the world is still just as hungry for Pokemon because uh, yeah, now that Violet and Scarlet are out in the wild, they've sold an impressive 10 million combined units within the first three days of launch. This uh, also accounts for the highest global sales level for any software on any Nintendo platform within that time frame. So Pokemon Scarlet and Violet launched globally on November the 18th. And yeah, those figures encompass both packaged and downloadable versions of the game. So obviously, there's been a few more days since, uh, because we are recording on the twenty sixth slash twenty fifth of November, depending on where you are in the world. Mm. So uh, it would not surprise me if that ten million potentially might be sitting at fifteen plus, maybe to I don't know if you know twenty is feasible to say, but uh, yeah, people be crazy for Scarlet and Violet, Miss Hart. Ten million yeah. combined in three days, holy moly
1: yeah I think that also goes to show that like we all made our decision on whether we were going to play this game some of us uh, just bought it day one because um and then others just bought it because like it didn't matter what we saw in the reviews we wanted to try it out for ourselves that one's me um and I just think it's a little bit bad that everyone just bought the game we all bought the game because we wanted the pokemon experience and there really isn't anything that nintendo can kind of do in like pressuring a studio to bring out a polished game like we all bought it because it's pokemon and they're the only people that can do pokemon they can the only people that can do that experience we all love pokemon so we all just bought it and it's not a great game
0: (laughs) (laughs) yep you you can hear our full third thoughts again if you want to circle back to the uh the start of this episode. Yeah, it's it certainly uh, didn't hit the notes that we were hoping for it to to hit for our respective selves. I think, but uh, it hasn't stopped the world from from being horny and hungry for more Pokemon. And I'm very curious to see what these these sales figures look like after Christmas, because obviously this will be on many a child and adult's list as far as a Christmas gift. Uh, Scarlet True. or Violet. So, yeah, this game is just going to continue to sell like bananas and. The rough part is that this means that then Game Freak aren't under such a lens for the game being a little broken because they're like, you know what, this this game's 70% complete or whatever, you know, just throwing a number out there. But yet it still still sells like hotcakes. Um, they're yeah, like, that's fine. We're, we've we've got out of here uh, by the skin of our teeth here, and um, yeah, give us a gold star Nintendo because look at all the money we've just made you.
1: Yeah, that's, I think that's a bad thing of it, right? They don't have to hold so much accountability. Like I don't know if Nintendo or the overlords um care about review scores if the, the money talks so to speak. So,
0: mm, yeah, I I think at the end of the day they'll be looking at that uh, that bottom line and going, you know what? Look at the profitability of this game, even though it is a bit busted. You know, money, money over quality. Hmm. Which which way would I go? But yeah. um, talking about uh, sales figures, jumping to another platform, we're going to go over to Sony because they've revealed that God of War Ragnarok is now the fastest-selling first-party game launch in PlayStation history. This was revealed via a tweet from the various at Sony PlayStation accounts, at um, AU here for Australia and so on and so forth. Uh, so revealed in said tweet, 5.1 million copies of God of War Ragnarok sold uh, were sold during its debut week. As the post points out, this naturally means it set a God of War franchise record as well. In comparison, God of War 2018 release passed 23 million copies sold on PlayStation 4 and PC as of November 2022. Back in October of 2021, it's reported that the game sold 19.5 million copies, but that uh, launch on PC pushed it further into that new audience spectrum there. So uh, God of War Ragnarok... You know, it's funny, we just said 10 million combined units from Nintendo in three days where, where God of War Ragnarok did 5.1. Like that's that's still huge and that's awesome mm. for Santa Monica Studio. And this game in comparison to uh, to Pokemon is a complete finished polished experience which is visual playable art where Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is uh, a Jackson Pollock I guess we could say. Yeah, good record. <laughs>
1: good art reference um yeah like I think God of War also oddly enough I think they must have also benefited from the release of all the amazing review scores it got um I also feel like God of War has been more of the uh accessible titles I definitely heard a few uh I hate saying this but like non-gamers kind of show interest or intrigue um We also saw some interesting advertisement, um, leading up to the release, Mm -hmm. especially the one with, um, Ben Stiller. That's his name. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, like I, 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 on, on the other hand of what Pokemon did, I'm actually happy to see God of War, you know, see the successes and get the uh, turning into sales, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, sorry, I still can't get over Pokemon. Um. But do you? It's interesting to see like having these console exclusives, and obviously they have their benefit, but then like we saw, just saw in the numbers, is that God of War also got, uh, got to see a push once they were able to make their title available to PC. Mm. I know that there's all this battling between Microsoft and Sony, but do you reckon Sony could see some benefit if they decided to do a PlayStation console release, but also, like, because Ragnarok's are still only available on console and they haven't mentioned?
0: Yeah, like, I'd, I'd say what they've been doing with these titles is they'll drip-feed release this, three plus years after that moment? after ah. yeah maybe a little less like um like it was yeah three and a half years i think where it went from playstation and then dropped onto pc um in last last year and they're starting to do that with you know death stranding and horizon and spider-man and stuff like that but i think they're so fearful of losing any type of market share that's never going to be a day one uh release on both console and pc but Seeing it a few years later, they get this this influx. Like you look at that, like just crunching quick numbers, you know, that's another fifteen percent growth or something straight off the bat, jumping to PC where they've where they've sold another three and a half million copies on PC um, over the span of a twelve month cycle for a game that had been out for three plus years before that. So it's it's clear that a lot of people are still hungry for these games, and uh, it also seems pretty clear that uh, a lot of PC gamers might not um, have these other platforms and just be solely pc gamers so they don't get to experience yeah. it at day one so it's a shame that they won't get um ragnarok anytime soon but i dare say what are we in 2022 maybe by 2024 ish we might see ragnarok drop onto pc and uh another little influx of, of sales out data will uh, be available for us to talk about on thg
1: true true
0: but yeah, two uh two games go gangbusters in in week one. Uh, yeah, Sony and Nintendo just making all that uh all that cash, all that hack silver. You could say if we want to tie it to a God of War reference there. But uh, the next bit of news, uh, shifting tone completely. But uh, this is this is interesting. This is obviously this goes into some ongoing uh, acquisition and merger discussion, which we've been covering now for you know, twelve months plus. But the latest go around. Uh, ties into the FTC, which is the Federal Trade Commission. They're reportedly, in quotes, very likely to file an antitrust lawsuit to block the $68.7 billion deal that would see Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard, as reported by Politico. Activision Blizzard has has responded to the report from Politico, saying any suggestion that the deal between Microsoft and Activision could lead to anti-competitive effects is completely absurd. Furthermore, Activision is ready to battle against any of these claims to ensure the deal will close. Yes, so so that quote I just mentioned comes from an Activision Blizzard spokesperson directly uh, stated to IGN, and they're saying, This merger will benefit gamers and the US gaming industry, especially as we face increasingly stiff competition from abroad. We are committed to continuing to work... continuing to work cooperatively with regulators around the globe to allow the transaction to proceed, but won't hesitate to fight to defend the transaction if required. End quote. So this is interesting because there's this constant subtle mudslinging going on. Like you saw Sony come out this week as well and just put the boot into Battlefield. Did you see that where they're like, Battlefield can't hold a candle to Call of Duty... Uh, so if Call of Duty ends up being a Microsoft exclusive in the in the future, you know, we can't hitch all our wagons to, to Battlefield and hope that we'll have a competitive first-person shooter into the future. So it's Call of Duty or bust because Sony is wow, wow, wah, wah. And Microsoft is saying, we're going to give you this game for at least the next, you know, nine plus years. It is just so baffling to me, Miss Hart, because Sony acquire and commoditize markets like no one's business like they're they're worried about too much of a monopoly from microsoft and yet sony acquired madman then they acquired funimation now they've acquired crunchyroll so they own the the anime streaming market yet you know that's all fine but don't you dare take away my call of duty says sony like you know they've bought bungie they've bought a ton of other studios over the last several years and that's all good but until, until Call of Duty gets talked about, it's a no, no, no all of a sudden. Like, it's, it seems very um, hypocritical to me.
1: I just, like, to me, I think this is amazing because it's just very telling. Like, how much Call of Duty, how much money is spent in that game, on that game, um, for Sony to want to fight this hard for it. Like there's other titles that they could possibly like lose, um, lose out of it. Uh, but the Call of Duty one is the one that they're fretting the most, and they're they're like panicked about. And it just makes me wonder. I'm like, how much money is in it? Like, how mm. much money do they stand to lose? Like, like they've do- they've obviously done the numbers. They've done the crunching. They've they've seen that like losing that one is a major problem for their like for their console and maybe console sales on and then in-game transaction and store transactions and whatever money they can get from that um and then like as they have mentioned like it's not just ftc we also saw i think it was uh like some government group or someone in the uk that also pushed back recently um so yeah i think we're seeing that a lot of like groups globally kind of paying attention and trying to push back but then as i was kind of saying to you like we actually don't really know what's happening behind the curtain Mm. um or how much uh like company wise political wise little pushing or poking has been happening like i wouldn't be surprised that if this mattered so much to sony if sony wasn't getting this information or maybe um pushing through information to these parties to show like a concern or consumer concern or something like that saying like you know, I don't know. That's just me being a little bit like skeptical and being a bit little but I know. This this has been like a long winded thing. I know that we didn't think it was gonna be smooth, but this these are a lot of bumps and a lot of um front facing bumps that the consumers can see as well. Like we I'm sure a lot of these purchases usually happen behind closed doors and usually doesn't hit a lot of um speed humps. But this one this one's been very public and just it's been very interesting to follow.
0: It's very drawn out and, and dragged out in, in the public eye a lot. And it's, oh, yeah. it's funny because there there's so much mud getting slung. And like you said, it wouldn't surprise me if certain people within Sony have sort of reached out to certain outlets and be like, Hey, if you say this, you know, you know, you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours in the future. So like, you know, you stand with us, you know, stand against Microsoft and, and, uh, Activision Blizzard by how evil this deal is. And, it's just bizarre to me. Like we're, we're looking at some quick numbers regarding the the rough revenue, and and Call of Duty is roughly generating approximately three billion US dollars a year. Like that's it's a sizable chunk of money, and, and if we sort of let's just say Sony has sixty percent of that, we're looking at you know one point eight billion a year. So that's that's some big money going into the that bucket is, there. Yeah, but the fact that Phil Spencer and other Microsoft or Xbox higher ups have all said. We will work with you. We we don't. Uh, we're, we're not taking Call of Duty off you. Let let's put plans in place where this lands on both our platforms now and into the future. You know they're they're still trying to be very pro gamer. It's all about the the consumer, and and it shouldn't matter where the games are played. And and yeah, like you mentioned, some of the other Activision Blizzard titles will no doubt become Xbox exclusives and Microsoft exclusives moving forward, and that's fair enough. But your Call of Duties and your Fifas and stuff like that, these sort of mainline games that just generate cash, they'll always be on all platforms. And I don't think we'll ever see Call of Duty being a, an Xbox and Microsoft exclusive, but Sony are just so fearful of this. Like, I wonder if this deal falls through, would Sony then try and make a play to, like, if, if the shoe's Count on them. the other foot, you know, Sony would have probably made a, a similar offer, right? But I think Microsoft just got in there first and the terms of the deal were what Activision Blizzard were happy to sign off on, but... You'd be silly thinking that Sony wouldn't have been sniffing around on this as well because at the end of the day, they like having these titles as Sony exclusives.
1: Yeah. Actually, it's a very good point. We don't know. Maybe Sony was already like nipping at the heels of a possible purchase and Microsoft just beat them to it or had a more enticing um, offer, Uh, especially while Activision Blizzard has been going through all this you know, harassment, lawsuits and everything else, also connected to government groups and agencies who have an invested interest in that. Like, it it is a mess. It is an absolute mess. And then, obviously, now we're just seeing this fight back and forth between Microsoft and Sony. We have talked about Microsoft being very open and pro-consumer by saying, we you know, we will keep working with all consoles, blah, blah, blah. And, obviously, like we talk about that um, Microsoft still benefits from purchases um, onto a Sony console mm-hmm. um, I don't know if they they truly honestly believe if they hold the majority um, like the the mm, like like what happens if they like hold like they say okay if you want to do campaign like right now they split up war zone and then they have the pvp and the battlefield like that that those are usually separated mm. um, so like maybe they will they'll do it that way maybe they'll be like kind of that's how they'll like keep giving PlayStation access. They'll give them one, but not the other. Maybe, maybe they'll give PlayStation Warzone. Um, but yeah, there's just so much going on. There's a lot that maybe we won't know. Maybe if it if maybe if the FTC does get involved and they start breaking down a lot of like legal documents and such, maybe some dirty laundry will come out. Oh you know? yeah,
0: I have no doubt this is not the the last time we're going to be talking about this melodrama. But it's funny because. Like, Microsoft would be very silly to to take this away from other platforms because there's so much money that can be made off the, you know, the spin-offs um, attached to, you know, that are playing on, on Sony and the like where that's then marketing they don't have to factor in. Like they're getting marketing for nothing then because Sony wanna wanna market this game and make money. So like, mm. you know, the the whole rising tide raises many ships type of thing. So just just let these large than life games exist on, on all the platforms and Microsoft can just clip the ticket on the way through and still make money and have some incentives for players to try and shift their COD focus to Microsoft. But yeah, like it doesn't make any sense for them to, to say no to Sony for, for titles like this that are larger-than-life and just annual billion-dollar earners or multi-billion-dollar earners, I should say. So uh, yeah, like I'd imagine the same thing Oh, it's, it's tough to say, like, if someone like a rock star gets acquired uh, eventually, like, what would Sony do? Would they, I'd say they'd want to lock Grand Theft Auto to just Sony platforms now and into the future, where I feel like, am I being biased and just trying to be overly optimistic and say, I don't feel Microsoft would do that. But I don't know. Grand Theft Auto is another one of those tentpole games that sort of just exist on its own, in its own orbit compared to the rest of the gaming world, too. So I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But, um, you know, we'll keep talking Sony here. And uh, Sony and Honda may have indeed found a solution for more entertainment on the go, a plan that includes integrating PlayStation 5 support in future electric cars. In an interview with the Financial Times, president and COO of Honda Mobility, Izumi Kawanishi said, it's possible to integrate the PS5 into cars. The console and other Sony services are part of a greater vision to make a more entertainment-driven vehicle, competing with other electric models like tesla so um i like the concept of this but i also am terrified that people will try and play while gaming or like hack the hack the car so they can play while gaming because i'm assuming it's only playable when you're in park or something because yeah, otherwise I people will be dying. <laughs> yeah I, I think that's
1: how i think that's how tesla works is that you can only i think like maybe even like the engine can't be on or something like it's they they have things to make sure that you can't play and drive
0: yeah, but um, this is this is very Mickey Mouse niche concepts. Like this is not a, a sell point for me when I'm trying to buy a car. Like mm. I like cars, I like to be comfortable in a car, but like if I'm gaming I'd love to just park my car at home and be on my couch or you know, somewhere comfortable like that and be playing on my television as opposed to the the weird inbuilt screen in my uh, Tesla or Honda
1: know car culture has changed quite a bit um I live in a state where there's a lot of Teslas like there's like Tesla's uh like everywhere they're like like every other kind of car now um and so it always like it doesn't like blow my mind anymore when I see one um in saying that like I I, I, there are little things that I usually hear about a Tesla. I'm like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Like, customizing your own honk sound. Like, it could be any sound that any file sound that you want. You can make it your honking sound. And <laughs> they put Cuphead in the Tesla. And then, if you have dogs, you can have a little like. Setting so the car is comfortable for your dog while you go to the shops or anything like that. Like,
0: Ooh, I like that. I can appreciate that.
1: Yeah. But like, I'm, I, no way am I going to get a Tesla and support that. Um, but like, then talking about getting a PS5 in the car, um, <laughs> I kept on thinking about was it the PS4 that sounded like a jet engine? Mm hmm um i'm just like oh like you know usually people get like electric cars also for the sound like it's it's usually quieter and i'm like just imagining that you load up your ps5 or you know whatever console into the get into the car and next you know it sounds like a jet engine trying to go
0: That powered by ps5 really hot like all that ac would probably just get sucked in by the fans of the ps4 and you're just sitting in a sweat box then
1: Mm. Yeah, I'm wondering if they try to do like cloud-based gaming, maybe instead of like really throwing major components into it. But I, yeah, the cars are the future. They like soon we can just live in our cars.
0: Mm. Yeah, it'll go that way, or to be you know the self-drive. See if it's self-driving, and I can play while the car drives me somewhere. I'm like, yeah, that's that's feasible. I can be doing two things at once hypothetically. But uh, the thought of
1: playing GTA while you're driving, it just seems counter like
0: counterintuitive sort of thing. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, but um, yeah, Honda and Sony doing their thing together. Uh, let's let's see what happens in the the coming years there. Uh, mm. And if we sort of look a little bit further down the line, uh, we've had a rough time frame allegedly thrown around the internet this week regarding the Sony PlayStation Six. So there's a lot of rumor and a lot of chatter going uh, due to some leaks popping up. And uh, yeah, discovered in documents from the United Kingdom's Competition Markets Authority as part of the ongoing Microsoft Activision merger investigation, it appears the PS6 will either be coming out late 2027 or in 2028. So that's going to give the PlayStation 5 a rough life cycle of approximately seven years so uh, we've got a few more years to wait before the PlayStation mm. 6 makes its way to uh, the Honda electric cars of the world and, and everything <laughs> yeah. else. But uh, who knows? maybe the PlayStation 6 will be a car and it's transformable into a console. Maybe we're going full Transformers here in 2028, um, but that doesn't seem actually feasible at all. But yeah, Sony PlayStation 6 coming out in 2027 or 2028. Hmm.
1: It's interesting to be talking about the new console, especially when we are constantly finding ourselves having a discussion about games that are being released or, sorry, games that are being created right now for the PlayStation or new consoles and that division between people that are saying that new games should only be built for the newer consoles because a lot of people feel that games are being held back by making them um, playable on the previous gen. Um I I've I've made a passing comment that I I was not as impressed with God of War um detail-wise. So rude. Like there's a lot of design choices in there that are beautiful. I I I don't know if it's a spoiler. There's a certain sea creature that needs to be released and mm-hmm. while the overall space looks Pretty, I felt like it could have had a lot more potential if it had a way better graphical push, a little bit more realism, or as realistic as they could get. It just, there was like a p- part of it that made to me that like seemed like it was on the balance line of like almost being cartoony. So, um, but like that was that was a title that was made for the PS4, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and the Horizon was another one, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know. Like it's it's interesting to already be talking about a PS6, especially while games are still still in development. Um, probably still considering the previous gen console. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah,
0: twenty twenty seven, twenty twenty eight. You know, having getting seven years out of a PlayStation Five. You know, that's that's pretty decent ROI uh, as far as getting getting your your time and money's worth out of out of a heavily uh, costed piece of um, gaming equipment. So uh, we'll see. I'm very curious to see if that is the rough timeline. It makes sense. And um, we might hear more and more about this if this uh, stuff continues to drag regarding Microsoft Activision Blizzard because they obviously need to put a little bit of weight behind why they can't. And so they might have to sort of disclose some of these cards uh, that they're holding very close to their chest. But uh, yeah, 2027 slash 2028, the PlayStation 6 coming soon to a shop front and a Sony sponsored electric car near you and the last bit of news the witcher 3 related so cd project red has shared everything new in the next gen version of the game via way of a couple of minute trailer And uh, yeah, the footage that they showcased uh, highlighting the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series versions was pretty damn impressive. Uh, This is obviously tied into The Witcher 3, which came out way back in 2015, which is still insane to think about. So revealed during a CD Projekt Red Twitch livestream, a handful of developers outlined the upgraded versions, uh, upgraded visuals, brand new quests, cross-progression, and more that's coming to The Witcher 3 when the update is released in a couple weeks' time on December the 14th. CD Projekt Red confirmed that graphics settings will be added to console, letting players choose between 30 frames per second with ray tracing or 60 frames per second without. This will be available on all next-gen consoles, including Xbox Series S. The DLC is going to be based on the Witcher Netflix series, and it's been expanded into its own quest, which rewards the player with the previously announced armor based on Henry Cavill's version of Geralt. An alternative outfit has also been added to Dandelion, making him look more like the Netflix series series. Jaskia, so um yeah there was a stream you can check out there's a couple of minute video doing the rounds on youtube and on the socials which breaks it down and shows some nice comparisons between the legacy game from 2015 and the new one coming out seven years later and it looks pretty it's kind of cool and very smart of them to tie into the the netflix adaptation of the witcher uh, I'm a bit sad we don't get a little bit of a spoiler with Liam Hemsworth um, skin available or something, imagine. Maybe it's too, too soon, too soon, I don't know. But um, yeah, this is cool. I, I might go back and play a little bit. Like I've still got some quests to clean up in The Witcher, but like it's not a high priority thing where I'm going to jump in in two and a bit weeks time when this drops because this isn't available through like a free upgrade. This is like a paid version of New the purchase, game. Yeah. So you've got to drop that cash down to, uh, to get access to the, the next-gen version of The Witcher 3. But it's, uh, it's cool to see in, in some of the, the graphic comparisons they showed. It uh, looks pretty impressive.
1: This is where my laziness um, benefits me. Because I've never played a Witcher game. So, I get to play like a really nice quality, even more graphically impressive <laughs> version of the game. So, if I decide to actually play it, I get to play a really nice version. Sad that it's like armor based on Henry Cavill's version. And of not a face mind. scan? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like a full on model.
0: There's PC mods out there if you want to play Witcher 3 That's on PC true. where you can play as Cavill. Boy,
1: is that true. Um, I'm sure the mods could do a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is exciting. A lot of people speak highly of Witcher 3. Um, they, I think it's one of the more favorite ones. I think there's one Witcher that people really didn't like.
0: This is the best um, one of the of the series so far by a long, long way. It's a very special game.
1: Mm. So I and I guess the, the only thing is the the people that who have obviously already played the game probably multiple times, um, them having like the the conflict the inner conflict of like do I drop money again for the same for the same game in a, mm. terms you know, so um, but yeah it's I sometimes you know it's it's cool to bring back these games from the past and shine them up and open them to a new audience.
0: But you know what though, um, you know, sex on on a unicorn at thirty frames per second with ray tracing—that is very appealing to some wow. people. Yeah. Or if you want sixty frames to see those awesome. thrusts in a more intricate detail, you can do so because there would be a lot of sexing in The Witcher, especially in The Witcher Three. And uh, yeah, I'll uh, maybe uh, have a look at this game in my downtime over the Christmas break. Uh, but that brings us to the end of the news. But we're going to jump over to this. And truth on the head, ask questions for you. what is your favorite gaming controller of all time i'm not necessarily after the best one because it's probably just the Jill sense or you know if you like the xbox elite controller whatever but just the controller that you still love that you view as an icon a cherished form factor an art piece if you will what's the one that you see and it just makes you happy because for me, it's probably the original PS1 controller, pre-Dualshock, picking up the controller. was like a foreign alien artifact had come down from space. And I want to know what that is for you. Is it the Duke? Is it the Wiimote? Is it whatever we call the Nintendo 64 monstrosity? Let me know. <laughs> well, thank you, Jono. Like, like, As we've mentioned, listeners, that is a new segment we've got called Shoot from the Hip. And we have not heard that question until we play that drop. So we are shooting from the hip with our responses. We're going to aim honest and true. And the the, the controller, as I was sort of processing this in my head as he was, he was sort of getting to the question and explaining mm-hmm. some of the controllers, even though the controller kind of does suck, I'm going the Nintendo 64 controller with just how gonna, absurd <laughs> it is. I like, was you need three say, hands to play with that thing properly.
1: Jono shot from the hip and he got me in the heart because I... <laughs> love that design was ridiculous it and it still is but how like those of us that played it how many of us have got a broken little joystick in the middle because Mm -hmm. of whatever game usually it's mario party but like we all lost like the the joystick in the middle and then yeah we all had our different ways that we had to hold the controller especially based on which game that we played but i always loved i there was always this one nintendo 64 controller in our house that would get fought over and it was that cool like plastic see-through oh, yes. design yes. yeah so it was like it was just so cool and it was so like late 90s early 2000s you know like you could see through it um uh, so yeah like i was gonna say like that was just like it's it's such a cool memory it's such a weird unique like like yeah alien device um and it's 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 a lot of fun memories attached to that one uh saw palms is what not for the saw palms because of the joystick
0: yeah trying to do the the rotating (laughs) like the circular motions yeah that's
1: it yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah it's it's such a bizarre controller like it really is very impractical the fact that it's got sort of the three blades um and how you hold it depending and then the the d and the c pad and the joystick in the middle and I remember then like when you put the rumble pack in the back and it yes. would go from weighing like one kilo to 55 kilos all of a sudden. Those rumble so packs heavy. weighed a ton. So I'm going to go with the 64 controller, not only with just yeah how absurd it is, but just some of the nostalgia that comes from you know, playing like Mario Kart 64 together and Super Mario Goldeneye. 64, GoldenEye, all these games that uh, really brought the the multiplayer zaniness together um, into into the Nintendo ecosystem in, in a bigger way. Uh, but I also wanted to quickly shout out uh, to, the, to the original DualShock controller. I thought the the PlayStation 2 DualShock controller is, is a thing of art. I like the fact that it had, obviously, the inbuilt vibration. It was a nice bit of a beefier step up from the original PlayStation controller. The dual thumbstick centralized in the middle there. Really pretty. Um, and it was that sleek black color as well, like, mm, 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 mm. but yeah, I'm going to go with the Nintendo 64 controller, honorable mention to the DualShock, and also an honorable mention to the Wiimote, just with how much technology was in those controllers. Like, yeah, it's it's a pretty nondescript looking thing in your hand. It's kind of cool to, to get into this, you know, pre-virtual reality type of thing going on, you know. Where, Not got- to
1: mention the damage it would do. Oh yeah. It's like physical damage to people's um property.
0: Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's a weapon, but- doubles as a weapon.
1: I'm sorry, but I'm also because I just assumed you were gonna say it. I'm gonna give an honorable mention to the class well the the most recent still perfect Xbox design, like for their controller. It, it is the perfect hand feel. It is oh, they have it's so good that they haven't really changed it for years. Nice. Um, and Eve is so good that one would say that PlayStation maybe took a little bit like a page from their book. Um, so I'm gonna give some love to the Xbox controller.
0: Yeah, it's, it's still, as far as the two mainline controllers, it's still the one that owns my heart comparative to the Sony. Mm. Uh, especially with the Elite controllers with the, the four paddles on the back, fantastic. And it's always a bit of a rewiring expedition with my brain going from Xbox to Sony games where I don't have any paddles until I get that fancy new expensive controller next year. But yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the Xbox controller is tried and true. You mentioned the Duke. That thing was a giant behemoth of a, of a, a bit of equipment. But then going from Xbox to, yeah, then the 360 controller and then going to, to the Xbox One and the Series X and S's, they haven't really changed much from the 360. There's been a few little minor tweaks, but they've got that form factor. The offset sticks are still one of the best thing about that controller too. Instead of having them both sort of directly down bottom centralised, you've got one a little higher, one a little lower. Mm-hmm. It's great. So, uh, yeah, a good controller can make or break a platform. But it really uh, can. I like that we both went straight to the Nintendo 64 monstrosity just mm-hmm. due to nostalgia and just awkwardness and weirdness in general.
1: Also, shout out to having to always buy four of those ones.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And they weren't cheap if I recall back in the day.
1: They weren't cheap.
0: Yeah, God, good times. Good times indeed. But, um, yeah, instead of looking backwards at those nostalgic controllers, let's look forward um, as far as ways you can spend some money this coming week. New releases and events. All right, so we're talking about releases dropping between the dates of November the 28th through to December the 4th. Uh, making its way to the small screen on Disney+. Plus. I'm very excited about this one, Miss Hart. We've got the new Willow series on disney plus were you a willow fan growing up as a kid
1: no it's
0: a great film great film shout out to val Kilmer in that a young spry looking val Kilmer as the protagonist in willow but uh, i'm very keen to see what they do with this we've got some nice um you know serialized high fantasy this is gonna you know hit those similar beats as a wheel of time as a lord of the rings all that kind of stuff. So I'm keen as a bean for Willow on the big screen. We've got a couple of films here. We've got carnifex little eggs, African rescue, which is a, you know, a kid's based animated film. And the last one I want to mention here, violent night. So that's the one with, um, old mate that plays Hopper from stranger things, assuming oh, yeah. the role of Santa Claus and coming on some kind of like violent vigilante, anti-hero killing spree looks super violent, super pulpy. And, uh, I'm keen to watch that. Are you
1: going to check it out? No, it looks oh. stupid. It looks so, <laughs> come on. This looks like one of those, like, you know that there was like a bunch of movies that were released like towards the butt end of like the COVID closure kind of entertainment closure business where Mm -hmm. we saw media coming out slowly but you could tell that they were very constrained on like budgeting or locations or how many actors could be within a space like that's what this one feels like to me and then we've there's a bunch of christmas movies already coming out and they're just there isn't there a new santa claus that they're doing with tim it's a
0: t it's a series they've made a tv series of the santa claus gosh yeah
1: actually Sorry, way off, way off. Talking about TV series, like, we, we've we seen the pivot to TV series being absolutely, like, killing it, especially, obviously, with Star Wars and Disney Plus um, making some incredible productions, obviously, HBO, even Apple TV. Um, so we're seeing a lot of stars start moving to the small screen. And the other day, I saw a trailer for a series that actually has Sylvester Stallone in a series, a TV series. And I don't think I would have ever expected him to, you know, change. Like, I don't want to say stoop to that level because that doesn't sound right, especially after saying how well everything's going. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm just really impressed by seeing, like, how how much TV series has been on the up and up, that they're, they're getting big stars.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool seeing the you, – you wouldn't see the, the, the Hollywood film stars uh, – belittle themselves in years past and spend time on the small screen. But now that's becoming more and more commonplace and and I'm all for it. So uh, hopefully we get a little bit more of that. And the other film I forgot to mention here that's dropping this week, in very, very select cinemas, it's only I think for one or two days only this coming week, listeners. But uh, any, any anime fans, the Quintessential Quintuplets movie is going to be airing this week. I'm going to go watch that because I cannot wait to see what plays out in that film because I love that anime so much. And who doesn't want to watch an anime about five twin sisters all vying for one man's love?
1: I'm sure there's a different kind of movie like that.
0: Mm, I will look up that one too for reasons later. But uh, (laughs) games that you might want to play this coming week, Last Days of Lazarus, Sable, Soccer Story, The Night Witch, Front Mission First Remake, Gundam Evolution, Warhammer 40,000 Darktide, which I'm kind of excited to play, but I hear it is buggier than an ant's nest. So I'm worried about that one. Uh, Inscription making its way to the Switch. The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners Chapter 2 Retribution coming out on Quest and PlayStation VR. We've got Marvel's Midnight Suns dropping on all the platforms. Need for Speed Unbound, So Need for Speed is back. We've got uh, the Resident Evil Village Winter's Expansion making its way to Switch and the Callisto Protocol making its way to all (laughs) platforms. So many, 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 many games and films making its way to your eyeballs and ear holes and hands this coming week.
1: Yeah, I, I imagine that a lot of us will be looking at the Callisto protocol. There's been a lot of lead up, a lot of anticipation. I love every interview that gets done with the team there because everyone <laughs> from, <laughs> I've forgotten what his name is, but the head honcho and how he, he looks like and sounds like a gangster. Like, yeah,
0: Glenn Schofield. I just,
1: I just, I love it. I think he actually did a, like, wired or something talking about game development on on youtube somewhere and it was it was just lovely watching him kind of talk very passionately about game development but then he just has a very very different unique kind of presentation to himself that i just adore
0: Mm, yeah, I, I cannot wait for the world to talk more about their time with the Callisto Protocol. I can't mm-hmm. believe that a Need for Speed game has just sort of stealthed its way out this week as well. And then Marvel's yeah. Midnight Suns, the the marketing machine has been very big pushing this one, so I'm very curious to see how it reviews and, and the, the general uh, media-based feedback on that. It hasn't and, been
1: good. Mm,
0: yeah, it's a bit upsetting. And then, yeah, that Darktide, the four-player sort of Warhammer 40K squad-based game, Looks fun, but, yeah, all I'm seeing on the internet at the moment is how busted it is, which makes me sad because it looked like a game I want to
1: play. Yeah, it did look cool, so I'm kind of sad about that.
0: Yes, 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 yes. But uh, 8-Bit Nation, we're a little sad because we are now at the official end of episode 309. Miss Hart, anything else you wanted to shout out before we move on out of here for another week?
1: Yeah, just uh, everyone get your... your Biddy's in. Uh, your Biddy votes in, as well as Festivus. Tell tell us tell us what you love or know about us or about the industry. Um, there's a lovely little little bit to fill out there, and just make sure you get it in time so you can get a sweet like into. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't <laughs> participation. know. participation. Not participation with the podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So have, uh, you, have your voices coffee. heard. If you want to send any audio-based responses in for the biddies or Festivus as well, do Ooh. so. Drop us an email, hello at 8bit.net or send us that audio file. Uh, just DM it on the Twitters at WeAre8Bit. Obviously, you can find me at Brendan8Bit and MissAllieHeart. Miss but you 8-Bit Nation. That brings us to the official end of 309. So until next time, much love.
1: And stay hungry.